You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf. And welcome to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community. This is Ben Wolf, and we are going to learn from our guest today how to fix or fill in leadership roles and leadership issues in a fast growing uh, entrepreneurial organization, smaller and mid sized organization. Uh, advise everybody to please pause, stop. Leave a review, like, star, subscribe, whatever it is that they allow you to do on the platform on which you are watching or listening to this. Uh, so I encourage you to do that. We'll get uh, more people access to the Win Win podcast, and uh, that will be that will be awesome. So, without further ado, I do want to get into introducing our guest today. Uh, he is the founder and managing partner of Series B Consulting, uh, based out of San Francisco. Bay Area. Uh, they provide talent and organizational advisory services to private equity and venture capital portfolios. And by mentoring other HR leaders, uh, which is a, a very unique and, and special background that not enough people have, I think, in this startup space, uh, to really have such HR expertise uh, and HR leadership expertise. He is also the co-author uh, of a book that was released just a week or two ago uh, by Columbia University Press, Scaling for Success, People Priorities, excuse me, for high growth organizations. We'll share the link to that in the Amazon, uh, the Amazon link to that in the, in the, in the text below. And uh, you can find out more about him at seriesbconsulting.com. And I give you Andrew Bartlow. Welcome, Andrew. Thank you, Ben. Glad to be with you. Well, thank you. Thank you for coming on. I do appreciate it. And if you can, uh, like ask everybody, if you could give us a little context, right? You're talking about fixing and filling in leadership leadership positions and leadership roles, leadership issues in, in, a, in small and mid-sized companies that are fast growing. Um, how did you get to be doing that? Just a quick two-minute background to help us get a little context for what we're talking about. Sure. Well, um, you know, a lot of it is the school of hard knocks with, uh, you know, 20 plus years of human resources work inside some of the world's largest companies like Pepsi, GE, Wells Fargo, as well as a number of startups that uh, you probably haven't heard of, um, and, and then mid-sized companies. So 20-ish years of, of doing that and helping companies through um, IPO, through bankruptcies, through uh, more than a dozen mergers and acquisitions uh, as uh, the or one of a small group of senior HR leaders. And and then I hung my single shingle as a consultant and advisor about three years ago after, after a great exit from a real estate, uh, real estate tech startup. And so now I've been doing this work full-time uh, supporting portfolio companies, um, both venture and private equity backed. Um, and it's these points of transition that are particularly challenging um, and critical to the future success of organizations um, and it's about the leadership. And, and these are some of the toughest decisions that founders and CEOs and, and investor owners make. Mm -hmm. Right, absolutely. I mean, and, and I, I guess I would echo that. I would say that you know some of the biggest challenges that, that I see among my clients and, and the people that I know in fast growing or those who aspire to be faster growing, right. uh, Post startups, small and mid-sized businesses, they want to scale, but they're hitting the ceiling uh, because either they have like a mismatch, you know, somebody who maybe got them here that's not going to get them there, that's kind of on their leadership team, they grew up with the organization, but they're kind of hitting a bottleneck with them, uh, or just complete gaps because of 
lack of finances, whatever the reason is, but uh, you know, we're just because they haven't found the right person yet or not sure how to even find the right person. So there's just either gaps or mismatches in the leadership team, just a huge issue for people that want to scale faster. And there's just so much at stake. I guess part, part of what makes this so uh, is the fact that uh, is the fact that, you know, if you hire somebody and it's, it's just, if it doesn't work out, it's extremely traumatic to you and, and to everybody else in a small organization. So um, I guess just kind of open the fire hose. What approach do you teach, uh, you know, these small and mid-sized business owners that want to scale Either they're dealing with mismatch issues or gap issues on the leadership level, which I'm more focused on that leadership level right now. Yeah. Um, just open the fire hose at us here. Like, you know, yeah, w- yeah. what do well, we need to know to be approaching these things? Yeah. Um, well, there are a couple of different scenarios. You know, but first, it depends. Every situation, you know, might might be similar in some ways, but it has its own unique hallmarks and flavors, and you you really need need to apply some critical thinking there isn't a one size fits all approach for, you know, change out your head of sales when X, Y, Z or hire a COO when ABC happens, you know, so really need to look at the situation, but we can talk about a couple of primary branches. Mm -hmm. Um, And here I'll lay them out and you tell me which one sounds the most interesting for for this particular audience. One is um, startup venture backed companies where you have a founder CEO and they're building a team for the first time and often holding on to a lot of activities and and they can find themselves getting in their own way sometimes. And then they have early founding teams that they're hesitant based off of contribution and personal relationship with some of those early employees to layer them or move on from them. So that's one path. Layer them, meaning put somebody else in between they as the, themselves as the CEO and, the, and those people. That's right. That's right. Um, so that's one path. That's uh, high growth, typically venture-backed startup. The other path would be, uh, and I have a foot in both of these worlds, um, private equity growth stage companies that might have been founder-led for years and years. They're already a mid-sized business. Um, they sell. Uh, and they have an investor owner that has control. Uh, often that investor owner um, is trying to, you know, triple their investment in a you know, three to seven year period. Mm-hmm. They're very conservative about what executives to change out. Um, and will often bring in a, a, an external professional CEO, build up the leadership team and, um, and assessing that new group of senior leadership talent and trying to figure out how they're doing as an investor owner who doesn't operate the business, that's its own challenge. So those are two branching paths. I do a lot of work in each one. Which one do you think right. is more interesting? I would say option A. Great. Right. And and I would just and I would I would just add that I don't think that what you're going to say is is going to be as limited to the you know the venture backed um, pieces, as you're saying, because most of my exposure in the world that I, you know, kind of swim in is, is more of the founder-led businesses, no venture capital, um, no necessarily outside investment. Um, and, but, but all those same, but I, I think that what you're going to say is going to be equally applicable because it's all, it's a lot of those same challenges in, 
in, in, in scenario number A. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, you're right. Bootstrapped, um, owner-led, you know, living off their own profit businesses will have a lot of the same challenges. It's it's the the fact that the pace is just so different in venture-backed companies, where the the dollars coming in from the investors accelerate everything. So you you just have less time to assess the fit and make some of those decisions because the the cash is burning and. Your opportunity is—it's uh, it, a limited window. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No. So I would love you for you to talk on that scenario. Great. Great. Yeah. So uh, one of the things that I encounter—you know—pattern matching, um, very common early stage founder-led business is is doing a little bit of everything. Um, you have a, a small founding team that um, maybe they coded your product, maybe they. Um, ran payroll and for your tiny team at the very beginning, you were all in the same um, home office or garage setup, and your business has some success. You're starting to grow. You realize that you need to bring in more talent. The pattern that I see is this reticence to elevate the new hires. You tend to start low, tend to start cheap. Yeah. Um, inexpensive, you tend to hire beneath the skill level and cost of the people that got you to whatever stage that you're at. You know, part of that is a sense of what, what is often misguided loyalty, um, trying to preserve the, the ego or the position of the people that got you there. Um, but that's one of the real challenges that mm -hmm. an early stage founder and, and owner has, which is when to make the tough call to bring in somebody above the people that got you there, bring in somebody that's more expensive, that is more experienced, that can help take you to the next level of leadership. And that's a really hard call to make. Yeah, it is. I, I think that that's something I would like to sit on for, for a minute because it's, uh, it's, it's certainly something that I've seen many times and, um, you know, and, 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 and as I said, when I was introducing the question, that, that it's, it, it, and I'm glad you brought up the ego issue or the uh, appreciation issue or the gratitude issue with people yeah. who got you there and want, you know, not wanting to layer somebody in between people who don't want to work for anybody else. Right. Um, they're used to working with the CEO. They don't want to be working for someone else in between. Uh, and, and, but layering into that, the issue of, of the trauma that ever that you know and other people know will happen if you don't make the right call. So yeah, let's speak to that situation. Yeah, there's there is uh, fear. There are personal relationships. There um, are uh, financial complexities with winding and unwinding a um, a small organization with a small group of people that have been around for a long time. Uh, but ultimately, if your business is going to grow and if it's going to scale, you need to make a decision to work with some people that have seen it operate at the size that you want it to be, that have seen an organization operate at the complexity that you want to become. You know, it's the classic Marshall Goldsmith, what, what got you here won't take you there. Um, and so you can make that, um, that, that head decision but the heart considerations can be really difficult to deal with. 
Um, and so I, I advocate for my you know, clients and my, uh, the, the people that I advise uh, to have expectation setting adult conversations very early on, right? What's your vision for the business? As that vision evolves, continue to revisit the discussion. Right. And, and even say, if it's hey, maybe a year or two out, if right. I, people already know way in advance that this may be something that's happening, they have time to mentally and emotionally prepare themselves. Yeah, yeah, and, and positioning it in such a way that, um, you know, here's what we need right now. What we'll likely need in the future looks different. Let's talk about what that looks like. And I, I see people continuing uh, in fact, a lot of the HR people that I mentor get stuck on this, where they're the HR person at a, of a 20-person company, and then they're still the head of HR when it's 200, and they feel like they've failed somehow if they're not the head of HR when it's 2,000. Well, your skill set, what you like to do, what you're really, yeah, what you're really good at might be best positioned for a certain stage and phase of an organization. So instead of Instead of articulating these transitional roles as you've won or you've lost, depending how, on how long and how many phases and stages you've stuck around for, you know, it's more about contributing in a great way, doing the work that you're great at, and then you stick and move, and then you rotate to the next one um, and, and have those gold watch moments as opposed to you know, somebody has failed and there are bad feelings all around. So it, expectation setting, adult conversations early on are really mm -hmm. valuable. Mm -hmm. Makes a lot of sense. Another thing I've seen that people are able to kind of ease the team into a layering situation is by actually doing, uh, you know, let's say the CEO is also the head of sales. Right. Uh, so you need a situation of bringing in an experienced, been there, done that head of sales or a COO, you know, or a integrator in the EOS terminology to bring yep. in that's going to layer it into the between the CEO and the entire leadership team. Um, and, you know, in these type of situations, what, one thing I've also seen people do that's got some success is by uh, making it more incremental by bringing in a fractional VP of sales or a fractional COO or a fractional integrator um, or the like, uh, where people can Okay, you're still mostly, you know, that person's not there all the time, you know, but it's still, it's an in-between stage to get people accustomed to something that's going to get brought in full-time eventually. Yeah, that's a, that's a really useful model, whether it be in sales, COO, even in HR, where you can use that, been there, done that experience, but you don't necessarily, you're not ready to pony up for the cost that it would require, uh, for the expense that it would require to bring on board somebody full-time. And maybe that advisory design work, you don't need somebody who's really deep full time. So it's just more efficient use of time and dollars for everybody to have that fractional leader. What, one piece that I, that I would want to strongly emphasize there, though, is that if you have any lack of clarity, if you have any of these easing into half measures, things can get complicated, disrupted, ambiguous very, very quickly. So you wanna be extremely clear about decision-making rights, roles and responsibilities. If you have any sort of fractional support or you know, a new leader coming in, you know, often I've seen, I've seen founders try to soft pedal where, oh, you'll co-lead this or this per you'll still be responsible right. for the design so of the product. It's a way of, a way of avoiding the tough conversations. Yeah, yeah. Decisions. That's right. 
So, so be immensely focused on decision-making rights and roles and responsibilities anytime you're, you're in one of these situations. And that's, I mean, that's, that's great advice. That's great. Yeah. I, mean, I think about some situations I've been in and, you know, that definitely, that definitely resonates. Um, but since you mentioned, and you, you mentioned this, and it does get into something that I was hoping we could cover now, at HR leadership, right? Not just for the compliance part and the, and the administrative part, but actual HR leadership, the leadership level, C-level, whatever you want to call that. Um, you, you mentioned that you've seen that on the HR front. Yeah. Because very often when I talk to people and they mention fractional HR, what they really mean is just kind of an outsourced HR resource for the administrative and compliance pieces. But I think you're speaking more to uh, HR leadership right. um, on a fractional basis. What is that? Yeah. How does it yeah, work? Yeah, the, the HR work that I think a lot of organizations focus on first is recruitment or payroll, benefits, administration, an employee complaint, a handbook, uh, legal compliance with all the various you know, requirements that we have today. Um, the, the work that I'm talking about is at the advisory level that often a COO, an investor, a mentor might provide. That can come from the seasoned HR seat as well. So what kind of stuff, what kind, what kind of stuff, if I'm a business owner, what kind of stuff I'm, do, do I need that kind of person for? Yeah. Uh, when do I bring in that VP level department head? How do I clarify roles and responsibilities within my team? Uh, goal setting. I'm working with a group right now. Uh, they're, they're so busy doing the work that they are struggling to articulate their company level goals and, and spread that out uh, throughout their small organization. Um, yeah, so performance management, talent management is another one. Um, hey, maybe you're um, moving into mid-sized, you're 100 plus employees, um, you have an operational HR person, that same person may not be really well equipped to think through the universe of possibilities around how do I develop my next leaders? How do I uh, get my team to stay? Uh, reduce my turnover rate from 30% to 10%. Um, those are some of the design elements and advisory mm -hmm. elements that most small and mid-sized businesses, they don't, they don't have that capability in the HR leader internally. And so whether you get it from an HR leader as an advisor, a COO, an investor, somebody through the EOS or fractional leadership perspective, you need it from somewhere. Right. That makes sense. Um, are you able to offer some, I guess, some stories or examples uh, on, on, that you've seen on scenarios like this and how they were, you know, what the challenge was, what they were able to do or what you were able to help them advise them to do with, again, either mismatches at the leadership level as they, as they want to scale or gaps, you know, some scenarios, some stories, anything help make it real what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. I, I'll, uh, I'll try to protect the innocent and my client's name. Of course. Along the way, um, change all the details except, like you know, the the ones necessary to understand the moral of the story. Yeah, except the except the good details, right? <laughs> um, yeah, there was uh, one one you know rapidly growing organization that um, that I was privileged to do a lot of a lot of work with um, that was chasing a lot of goals, and 
as well-funded as they were and as successful as they were, they just weren't making much headway on anything. Um, and so they brought me in to help with culture. Like, hey, we, we're hearing a lot of frustration. We're getting some turnover, not super happy with how things are going within the leadership team. Andrew, can you help us figure out what's going on with culture? We think it has something to do with the pace of growth and um, look under the hood. And what I found was, here's a great founder, CEO, uh, brilliant visionary, uh, who had hired a number of high quality people in, uh, in VP level roles, but had not fully delegated, not fully empowered, and certainly had lacked the clarity of prioritization within the team. And that became, that became really frustrating for the group uh, as they felt like they were constantly chasing a moving goal um, and constantly failing because the goals weren't really clear, the goals weren't really stable. Um, and, and so that's a lot of the work that I did, which was what's most important to your company right now? And just because it doesn't make the list of three, four, five things, doesn't mean it doesn't need to get done, right? People still need to get paid. You still need to you know, process the AP checks, whatever it is. Doesn't make it uh, completely off the list, but within your organization, this will help keep the trains moving. Um, so that, that form of prioritization was really challenging for them. And I, th I think it was eye-opening, the, the idea of you can move three things a mile or 30 things an inch. And if you're a, a company that's gaining in size and complexity and, and burning cash along the way, you don't wanna be treading water with trying to move too many things forward. Um, mm. And that Are you was- you talking more about move the ball forward type of things or critical to day-to-day -day operations type of things? Yeah, like uh, here, I'll give more, more specific examples. Um, it, it was a primarily a B2C business and they were thinking about um, opening a B2C channel. They're thinking about expanding their core product offerings. They were also thinking about going international and they were changing the entire uh, customer service support structure. So any one of those things would, would take full focus from the company. And they're trying to do all of them as well as exploring right. other, other avenues for content distribution. Right. Right. Yeah. So, I think you know, that sounds familiar to everybody. Yeah, yeah. And, and we get it, right? Like everything is a possibility. You want to say yes. The, the larger and more complex your company becomes, the, the more focused you need to become. Let's, let, let's say that one more time. The larger and more complex your organization becomes, the more focused you need to become to make sure that that actually happens. Otherwise, you have all these resources spinning, working on their things that absorb their attention, distract from the organization's um, more important purposes, compete for resources. And, and pretty soon you're having project meetings with six people meeting once a week to work on something that actually you probably need to crank out in the next few days, right? So more focus as you get bigger. Right, right, on fewer things. That's right. Right. 
Right. And so, right. And you're talking about identifying metrics or, you know, or things that to which people can be held accountable that are going to be moving, whichever ball you decide is the main focus right now, where I'm going to have a huge amount of energy to move those three things forward a mile. So as, as you said, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I've seen actually this organization overcorrected at first. And so I had to come in and help them tweak the dials where they went from chaos of trying to do everything all at once to okay, now we're going to measure everything. We're going to do OKRs at an individual level um, across the entire company. And we're going to have stretch goals. We're going to have 70%, 100%. Every single person is going to have five to seven goals. They're going to be smart goal format uh, set up. And, and that was the most administratively burdensome exercise you can ever imagine and didn't keep pace with the company's pace. So they needed to find the Goldilocks zone of focus, tracking, alignment without overdoing it, right? You're still, you're still a high growth organization. Um, you're not Intel of the 1970s that's you know, pumping out chips. So you know, give yourself some flexibility and just make it really clear at the top of the house. So mm -hmm. um, a company, company level for sure, if you've got some size and complexity, maybe a hundred plus people, maybe you want to have some team functional or department goals. But uh, if you're measuring stuff quarterly, it's measurable at an individual level, your, your business better be pretty darn stable uh, if you're going to try to take that on. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, and uh, so, right, seriesbconsulting.com, people, uh, people can can find out more more information about what you do and, and what you do, it sounds like is related also to this performance management, right? Of, yeah. of teams, right? Not just the kind of leadership level stuff that we focused on at the beginning of the conversation. Yeah. When you think about human resources, it's about people management. It's about how do you operate your business? Um, you know, how do you uh, make your organization productive? Uh, organizational effectiveness is, uh, is what, people that I do, you know, put our time into. And a lot of that is mm -hmm. how leaders lead that less so the soft stuff, more so the structural stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. Awesome. Yeah. Look, I, I appreciate you making the time to, to talk about this stuff today. I get people to find out more about you at seriesbconsulting.com and you could, you know, check out, uh, check out your book again. that just came out this month. Uh, Columbia University Press, Scaling for Success, People Priorities for High Growth Organizations. So thank you for coming on. Yeah, Ben, thanks again for having me. My pleasure. Very awesome. And we'll see everybody else on the other side. Thank you. You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf.